1: Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is internet marketing and today I'm talking with Yoast Devalk, owner and creator at Yoast.com. Hello, Yoast. Hey there. I've got your name right, haven't I? You do,
2: yeah. It took some practice, didn't it? Yeah,
1: because English people want to say juiced, don't they? Because it's spelled J-O-O-S-T.
2: Yes,
1: um,
2: and, and that only happens after excessive drinking.
1: I don't even need to drink for that to happen for me.
2: <laughs> uh, Yoast.com, tell us just a little bit about what you do over there. Um, so we do uh, a, a few things, but uh, all of it's related to website optimization uh, in one way or another. So most people that know us probably know us for our WordPress plugins, yeah. Uh, particularly our WordPress SEO plugin or our Google Analytics plugin. Um, so we do a lot of a lot around WordPress website reviews for all sorts of websites actually, and I do a lot of consulting for higher end brands.
1: Yeah, you're, you're the guy people call in if they've been sort of clobbered by Panda and things like that. Uh, we, uh, we are in and with our website reviews. We do
2: get a lot of people that um, have been hit in some way. And um, yeah, we, we don't really mind. We usually like a, a good challenge. Um, I have to admit that we do a lot more Panda than Penguin. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're good at helping people fix their site. We're not necessarily the best at helping people fix their
1: backlinks. I'm with you. Well, I wanted to talk about internationalization. Try and say that three times in a row very fast today. Internationalization, internationalization, internationalization. I can do that. Well, you're obviously a better man than me then. (laughs) (laughs) Often goes hand in hand with uh, localization. But I know that you recently worked on a project, didn't you, that highlighted some interesting aspects around internationalization. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so uh, I recently did a migration of The Guardian Um, Which, of course, many of your listeners will know as a um, UK newspaper uh, originating in Manchester, moving to London Mm. a couple decades later. And up until like a year or three ago, it was mainly that. It was a British newspaper that covered British news and just happened to have a website that more people around the world would visit. Um, And then they started an office and uh, an editorial office in both New York and uh, somewhat later on in Australia. Mm. So you get to the point where you stop being a newspaper and you start being an international news outlet where you just happen to have a paper as well. Yeah. And they decided at some point that they were going digital first as in that they would publish everything digitally first and and that digital was their main focus for the future and not print mm. but uh, that also means that their audience suddenly grew from like what is it 60 million brits to um a couple of hundred million if not more people around the world who read their news in english and funnily enough the brits have some things that don't really translate well across the across the ocean yes so, um, yeah, there's some work, there was some work to do here and there, um, yeah. starting with moving from Guardian UK to theguardian.com.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because domain name migration can be really difficult, can't you? It sounds like it went reasonably well in your case. Why do you think that was?
2: Uh, it went reasonably well because I'm a magician. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I, to be fair, um, these usually go wrong. Hmm. And wrong in the way that you lose like 50% of your traffic for six months until Google catches up to what you're doing, even when you do all the technical stuff right. Yeah. And getting the technical stuff right is hard enough as it is. This one, I think, went particularly well because we weren't really migrating one domain, but four into one. Right. And we, we were going from mobile domains. Uh, and we, had, we had a US mobile domain and a UK mobile domain and a Guardian UK and a very small. Uh, but uh, existing website in the US, and we migrated them all into one.com. And so we were not only migrating, we were also consolidating.
1: Do you think that's easier than going the other way there, where you got lots, you start off with one domain and you're sort of trying to sort of expand it out to N new domains?
2: Well, you know, that was the first question the Guardian asked of me. Like, mm. would, and would you be, uh, could you help us, you know? To start a, a new domain for the U S market. And then later on the Australian office was opened and they were like, yeah, so we need one in Australia as well. And I was going, you're nuts. We shouldn't do this. Mm. And, um, luckily at that point, more people within the guardian started agreeing with me that that wasn't really a good idea. So we went to one.com domain for the entire company. I think that's easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there's very, very few cases where a multi-domain strategy will really work well, especially if it's all the same language. Sure. So you've, you're, you've got a company and we've got several clients that are like that too, where you have um, a French website and German website and an English website aimed at France, Germany and the UK. Then it makes sense to have three different websites with three different top level domains, etc. I see. Yeah. But if it's all English, it doesn't really matter. Mm. It's just making things harder for yourself.
1: There's a question I want to ask because I know a lot of people get confused uh, between internationalization and localization. And we'll drill down into internationalization in a minute. But what, what's the difference between internationalization and localization? Good
2: question. What do you think the difference is, Emily?
1: Well, I think I know the answer, but I was going to check with you. I, I, as far as I understand it, internationalization is like a sort of one-off process where you take your website or your app and you make it possible for it to sort of Present itself in different languages, whereas localization is the process of then making using that infrastructure that you've put in place and then making it so that you know it can be understood by I don't know Chinese people, Australian people, even if they speak the same language, there's different nuances, aren't there, in between the two languages? That's as I understand it.
2: And one of the things that's always very interesting is um, if you write for a global audience, yeah, and you want to describe, uh, say. The length of a boat
1: mm. would you do that
2: in Imperial
1: or a metric? I guess that would depend on where you were oh, well, yeah,
2: so for most journalists, it depends on how they're used to doing that, not, and they're not thinking about what their readers are used to mm. so I actually prefer doing both, mm. especially for the Guardian, for instance, but that is the sort of problem that you run into when you when you start to do internationalization in a way that you you only have specific pages once so we we only have one version of an article page mm.
1: okay.
2: if you read the article in in the uk you read the exact same article as someone in in the us because at a large publisher you can't go about and r- check the article and then republish it for the us where you the only thing you need to change is the metric to imperial, pounds to dollars, et cetera. That's just
1: undoable. When yeah, you... and boots to trunk and stuff like that. Yeah, etc. And that's yeah. undoable when you, do, when you have like three,
2: 400 articles a day.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like, because I mean, the, the, yeah, the Guardian being a newspaper, I mean, it sounds like you can do the internationalization bit, but you can't so much do the localization bit. Is that how it is?
2: Yeah, that is how it is. And it's, yeah. it, it does mean that we do, do need to think about the localization bit. Um, because we do need to think about, okay, so if more, if people outside of the UK are going to read this, Mm. what do they think? Do we write prime minister or do we write British prime minister? Yeah, because that might not be obvious if you're not from the UK. So there's a lot of stuff there that you, that you should think about But the funny thing is, if you're a smaller business, you can actually probably do these things a lot better because you don't have as many pages and you can just take the time to do this properly.
1: Well that's right because I remember we had a brief when we were doing the pre call we had a brief conversation didn't we about uh, different approaches to sales pages in the UK sort of yeah. versus the USA weren't we it's, it's more than just language isn't it it's to do with culture as well
2: it's a, it's a lot to do with culture and it's a lot to do with what people find more important so for some people you might have to look at um, quality of your service a lot more and a, la- a bit less at price and the other way around mm. So, um, if you're selling to the Dutch, you need to focus on price. Yeah. Um, even though um, that is probably stupid. But if you, and so it really depends on you, you should figure out like, okay, who's my target market and how should I target them in their specific country and specific region, even because the US is, well, we all know that taxes and New York are not exactly the same type of city. Yeah. So, it, it, it's, there's a lot of, uh, of, of localization and, and also uh, sorts of ways of talking to people that you need to think about, you need to think about, okay, so what, who is my target market here and how, how am I going to approach it? There's
1: so certainly a lot of things for, for people to think about there, especially if you've got the sort of flexibility to, you know, to target your pages a bit more, perhaps yeah. more so I, than an international newspaper.
2: Yeah, and at the same time, it also means that you can go far too far.
1: Yeah. Which brings me on to the next point, actually, because I was wondering what the best sort of practices were for content owners in terms of internationalization. I mean, are there sort of some uh, guidelines? I mean, how, how would you know you were going too far, for example?
2: Well, if you go, you're going too far, if you're spending more time on it, then, you, then you're you know, getting a return for. Yeah. At first, if you're, a, say you're an English or a US company and you want to move into the UK or the US or vice versa, et cetera. Um, what I would do is I first look at my site and think like, okay, so what is particularly British or particularly American about what I do, mm. and then ask someone from that other country to, tell, to look at your website with a and, and with a good a hard look and say and tell you the same thing, and then see like, okay, is it really necessary that it's so British, or can I just change it to be more global? Mm. In in many ways, making your it, I would make it easier for myself by going in, by by globalizing the content first instead of trying to localize it. Ah, um, because localizing is actually a very expensive and 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 probably a, a, an effort that takes a lot a lot of time. And if you're selling, it depends a bit on what you're selling. But if you're selling something that is just as useful in the US as it is in the UK then I would just go for a, a, a website that explains that properly to everyone and make very clear that you ship to both countries. Uh, the latter thing is probably one of the things to be very aware of, especially if you decide to move your or, or build your website on a dot com domain. I found that people in the UK are very quick at figuring out whether the web, this product that's being promoted to them at that website is actually available to them in their country. Yeah. We, we often, as Dutch people, we, we have this problem a lot because we, a, a lot of Dutch speak proper English and, and probably read loads of English in American websites. But a lot of the products aren't available to us. Simple things like showing a little flag that you uh, are uh, in your sidebar or somewhere saying mm. we ship to and then showing the flags of the countries you ship to. Simple stuff like that would, can, it can make a tremendous difference in your, uh, in your, in your sales on, from those pages. So I'd globalize first, mm. and then perhaps localize later if you if you figure out that there's specific stuff you need to address for specific types of people. And you can even say that, like you can even have on a, a globalized sales page, you could have, if you're from Texas, read this, or if you're from the US, we've got some more information on blah blah
1: here. Yeah, so it's kind of like a hybrid approach, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I to be honest, I think that's the only approach that, that doesn't waste your time for all the small businesses. The more I thought about it after we chatted in our pre-chat, I, the more I think like you, you don't want to do two websites mm. because you can't maintain two websites. Most people have enough trouble as it is maintaining one website. Sure. And we, in our website reviews, we see so many websites where you go like, you should just do this, 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 and then you you look at the what we think is the just do just do this list, and it's like four weeks of work. Yeah, and a lot of small businesses probably don't have that time, so it's a it's a matter of making choices.
1: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because um, you know, if you own a website, I'm thinking that localization is actually quite tricky to do. It's easy, for example, if you're I don't know producing content articles for sort of content marketing or something you can do different versions for different sort of locations can't you but with a website it's trickier because from the websites i've seen and the stuff that i've worked on because i'm a ruby on rails developer it's not difficult to make it so that you know you can click a button on your homepage, like for a french version and a german version and a spanish version it just uses different dictionaries behind the scenes to to put the like the sort of 200 words that you've defined it just swaps them out but it's a shame you can't do that for localization. <laughs> you can have a sub-menu for sort of um, America, if then you have like Texas, um, Hawaii. Um, yeah, <laughs> you'd, was, you'd have about 2,000 different uh, locales, wouldn't you?
2: No, and you, can, and you often can't take payment in, in more than one or two currencies either. Yeah. So we chose on Yosa.com. we chose to take payment in dollars, even though we obviously, our whole life is
1: in euros. Yeah, this is this globalization concept again, isn't it? I've seen that all over the web, and there's so many people just take like dollars, don't they?
2: Yeah, people are just used to dollars, and they, they can do the dollar. Uh, if, even if their dollar is not their normal amount, it, they can do the dollar conversion in their head very easily, and they can't do that with the euro. Yeah. So our sales increased when we switched from euros to dollars. So it's it's very simple, but it's you have to think about all these things and, and realize that the, well the world is a very weird place and that we it is one global thing, but at the same time there is a lot of subtle differences that you need to, need to take care of.
1: Well, Yos, thank you so much for that. You've really given us some food for thought there. Some things that we need to think about, certainly in terms of internationalization, and that as is, is with a Z or an S. And (laughs) and localization, likewise. Um, How can people find out about you? Is there a website, Twitter, etc.?
2: So, Yoast.com, Y-O-A-S-T dot com. Uh, I'm also Yoast, Y-O-A-S-T, on Twitter. Uh, We're on Facebook. We're using the same name. So just about anywhere. Or you could just Google us.
1: Fantastic. And just a quick one. um, How how are the Netherlands doing in the World Cup at the moment? Um, Well, we're still in. (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I just thought I'd let you rub it in. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're doing quite well. I'm
2: I I have high hopes.
1: Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. SiteVisibility.com slash podcast is the place to go to find us on the web. You can send emails to podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can phone and leave a message on plus 441273256150. And of course, you'll always find us on iTunes. And we love having reviews. Um, so thanks very much again to Yoast. My pleasure. And it's goodbye from me, Andy White. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing